Let me um, read you something funny that someone sent me on the email there. A very proper lady began planning a week's camping vacation for her church group. She wrote to a campground for reservations. She wanted to make sure that the campground was fully equipped and modern, but she couldn't bring herself to write the word toilet in her letter. So she decided on the old-fashioned term, bathroom commode. Once written down, she still wasn't comfortable, so she decided on the abbreviation B.C. And she wrote, does your campground have its own B.C.? When the campground owner received the letter, he couldn't figure out what she meant by D.C., so he asked some of his staff, one of whom suggested the lady was obviously referring to a Baptist church. So he sent this reply. Dear Madam, the B.C. is located nine miles from the campground in a beautiful grove of trees. I admit it is quite a distance if you are in the habit of going regularly. No doubt you will please you will be pleased to know though that it will seat three hundred people. And it is open Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday of each week. Some folks like to take their lunch and make a day of it. Especially on Thursday because there is organ accompaniment. It may also interest you to know that my daughter met her husband there. We are having a fundraiser right now to purchase new seats as the old ones have holes in them. Unfortunately, unfortunately, my wife has been ill and not been able to attend regularly. It, it's been a good six months since she last went. It pains her very much not to be able to go more often. As we grow older, it seems to be more of an effort, especially in cold weather. Perhaps I could accompany you the first time you go, sit with you, and introduce you to the other folks who are there. All right, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we began two weeks ago a series on the Holy Spirit. I preached the first message, and then last week Pastor Brady preached on the Holy Spirit is life. And I want to share with you about the Holy Spirit. About um, 19 years ago, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I've been on this journey for, for a while. I, I, I was planning, actually, this week, when I began the series, I thought this week is when I'll preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that we are on doctrinal ground, solid biblical ground in believing the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has been recognized by the church up until about the last 100 years, unfortunately. And then God did a, 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 um, uh, a wonderful work in the early 1900s for a move of the Holy Spirit, and Satan began to come against that move. Um, but I'm not going to preach on that yet. I will do it. There are um, entire theological systems that have been built against the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and against the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Even in the first century, there was already a cult against the personhood of the Holy Spirit, already. So I will get into that, but I, I'm not going to yet, because the more I pray and the more I study, I feel like that we need to get to know Him as a person first. And so I really want you to know Him as a person. So this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, 
I told you two weeks ago, the Bible never refers to him as it. Never, ever, ever does it refer to the Holy Spirit as an object or a thing. It always refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. I think the problem is, when I thought about it this week, why do we refer to him as an it? And why do we refer to him as a force or a power rather than a person? And I think I figured out the problem. I think the problem is his name. I think we have a problem with his name, the Holy Spirit. And we don't understand his name, the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. And so I was thinking about this week, and I was talking to the Lord about it, and I said, you know, Lord, it, it probably would have been better, you know, if you had, if you had named him Bob, you know, or, or maybe Chuck, you know. And then we could say, I'm going to go talk to, uh, you know, the Father and Jesus and Chuck about this, see. And I think, personally, I, as I thought about it, I thought Chuck would work out because then the formal churches, they could call him Charles, see. But what I realized was his name isn't really the Holy Spirit. That's his description. His name is God. Now listen to me carefully. God the Father. See, that's the description of him. God the Father. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. See, as I thought about it, I thought, well, Lord, you did have it worked out. Because it wouldn't have sounded good to say God the Chuck, you know. So his name, though, is God. The reason we have this difficulty is we think, well, that, that, that's his name. But that's really his description. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. His name is God. And you can call him God. And he is the one who walks with us and talks with us. And he is the one who speaks with us every day and helps us through everyday situations. And his name is God. It is vitally important that you see him as a person and not as a thing. Because you don't have a relationship with things. You have relationships with persons. So we have to see him. Now, what, what makes him a person? What constitutes something being a person or someone being a person? For instance, you're a person, but you're sitting on a chair. Now, the chair you're sitting on is not a person, it's a thing. Everyone agree with that? So what constitutes a person? Well, some people would say life. You know, the chair doesn't have life, so it's not a person. But a tree has life. And a tree is not a person. So what makes a person? A person has, and this is very simple, but I'm going to, I'll go into it deeper. A person has a personality. Let me say it another way. A person has a soul. A person has a mind, will, and emotions. A person can express thoughts. A person can love. A person can feel. A person has desires and wants, and that's his will. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, yet they're three persons. The Father has a mind. The Son has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Father has a will. We talk about the Father's will. God's will. The Father has emotions. He can be happy. He can be sad. He can be angry. It's all through the Bible. The Bible always refers to God as a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has a mind, will, and emotions. And that's what we want to talk about. A person exhibits the marks of a personality. A person reflects personality. He can think. 
He can will. He can have desires. He can have emotions. He can have thoughts. He can feel things. And that's what we think. That's what we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to, I want to go into this a little bit and then we'll get into the points. We think with our mind. We feel with our emotions and we desire with our will. Now follow me on this. We think with our mind. We feel with our emotions and we desire with our will. The Holy Spirit wants to affect your soul. He wants to change your soul. He wants to literally invade your person. And listen to me. Think about this. Think, feel, and desire. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to help us to think the way God thinks, feel what God feels, and desire what God desires. You follow me? That, that, that was a better point than your amen, by the way. The Holy Spirit wants to affect my mind. He wants to affect my choices, and He wants to affect my emotions. And that's where the battle is, by the way. The battle is in our souls. The battle is in the way we think, the way we feel, and the, the things that we desire. Is that right? So the Holy Spirit understands that, and He comes to invade our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires. But here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. Not only does He want to affect us, but He has the power to affect us. He has the power to change our thoughts. He has the power to affect our feelings, and He has the power to change our will and our desires. And that's what the Holy Spirit is coming to do. Matter of fact, I preached a series last fall on the attributes of God, entitled God Is. And we talked about the omnis of God. There are three omnis of God. Anyone know those three omnis? He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Did you realize that that's the soul right there? He is omniscient. That refers to his intellect, his mind. He is omnipotent. That refers to his will, his power. And he is omnipresent. What do we, in worship, just a moment ago, didn't we, what did we sense? What did we feel in worship a moment ago? We felt his presence. See? He has the ability, when we're going through a difficult time, to show up and adjust our feelings. Because we sense, we feel the presence of God. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. So that's what we want to talk about. That the Holy Spirit is a person. And in order to be a person, you have to have a soul, a mind, will, and emotion. So, let's look at some scripture on Is everyone in Ephesians 4, by the way? Okay, we're not there yet. <clears throat> Number one, he has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. And let me just show you some scripture on the PowerPoint, all right? Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says, And when they had gone through um, hard words and the region of Galatia, They were, for, you know, in, in a Bible college and seminary, they teach you, if you just say them real quickly, no one will know that you don't know how to pronounce them. But I can't even say them quickly. So, all right. And when they go through that thing, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I want you to notice that. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit exerted His will. The Holy Spirit said, No. You're not going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. And he forbade them. He has a will. He exercised his will. And that's just one scripture that he has a will. Now, here's the point. His will is the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, ask the Holy Spirit. He's the one who knows the will of God because he is God. Now, since he has a will, and since he exerts his will, and since his will is the will of God, do you think it would be a good idea if we got to know him? 
How I many, if we want to know the will of God, let's get to know God, the Holy Spirit, the one who lives with us, the one who talks with us, so we can know where to go, when to go, how to get there, what God wants us to do. We want to know the will of God. See, how can you know the specific will of God for your life? Now listen to me carefully. This book is the general will of God. In other words, if you want to know about lying, that you shouldn't lie, it's in this book. If you want to know about stealing, that you shouldn't steal, it's in this book. If you want to know about being faithful to your wife, it's in this book. If you want to know about how to raise your children, it's in this book. But that's the general will of God. What about, how do you know which job to take? How do you know which house to buy? How do you know when to buy the house? How do you know how much to put in savings? How do you know how much to give over and above your tithes to offerings or to the building? How do, how do you know about a health situation when a doctor says to you this? How do you know what God's specific will is in that situation? You, you understand what I'm saying? Listen, this book is how you get to know his principles and his character. But the Holy Spirit is how you get to know him. As a person... And the way that you're going to understand the specific will of God for your life and for your family and for your children is to get to know the Holy Spirit. He's the only one. When your children are going through a rebellious time and you say, God, how do I respond to my children right now? How do I help them through this time? The Holy Spirit is the one who will show you. And He will reveal His will to you. See, um, I believe in, in prophecy, but not the Old Testament type of it because God has changed. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on a few select individuals. And when the Holy Spirit would come on them, he would, they would speak, teach, preach, and prophesy the word of the Lord. But then he would depart. He would come, but then he'd leave. He didn't come and stay until 2,000 years ago. And when he came and stayed 2,000 years ago, this is the good news. He came for everyone. Every one of us can now have the Holy Spirit. Every one of us can hear God. Every one of us can speak for Him because God came for us. It's, a, it's an absolutely wonderful thing, if you think about it, that each of us now possess the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's a wonderful thought. We don't have to go to one specific prophet. We don't have to go to one person. The Holy Spirit would come on individuals, and sometimes just one individual for a generation, and sometimes just one individual for just a short time in a generation. I mean, if you go through the prophets, you can name um, Samuel. And Samuel, Elijah didn't show up until Samuel died. And then Elisha didn't show up until after Elijah left. And you go through and the prophets of uh, Deborah and Nahum and um, uh, Hosea and Joel and Amos and Andy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you go through the, all the old people, that's, that's the young ones are like, Who? who's that? All right. You go through the prophets, and the Holy Spirit would show up. But that was it. I want you to think about this. I want you to be overwhelmed by this thought. The Holy Spirit now lives in you. That's wonderful. We don't have to go to a prophet to hear God. You don't have to go to Brady to get a word from God. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to say, you know, listen to me. Many, many times when you think you need to meet with a pastor, you need to meet with God. Because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And by the way, your husband can hear God. Even if you don't think he's spiritual. And you realize we got a real problem with a lot of women thinking that they're more spiritual than their husband. Boy, I don't know if I should go into this or not. <laughs> It's wasn't in my notes, so I better, I better move on here. 
I will say this, ladies. It's spiritual for your husband to go to work and provide for your family. He may not have as much time to read his Bible and pray as you do, but don't you ever think he's not spiritual. Your husband can hear God. Your friends can hear God. But you see, you're still missing the point. You can hear God. You can hear God. So you can't have a personal relationship with someone through someone else. Listen to me. What I mean by that is you can't have a personal relationship with God through me. You have to have your own personal relationship with God. And you need to talk to God. If you want to know God's will for your life, ask God. Can you imagine Paul trying to find out something personal from someone through someone else? Think about this. Can you imagine someone coming up to you and saying, um, will you ask my wife where she wants us to go on vacation this summer? No. You ask your wife where she wants to go. Uh, would you ask my wife how many children she wants us to have? No. That's ludicrous. Okay, now listen to me carefully. It's the same thing when you come to one of us and say, um, will you ask God what his will for my life is? And by the way, the answer is no. No, I won't. You ask God what God's will for your life is. You have a personal relationship with him. This guy came up to me one time and said, can you get a word for me? Now, I just want you to think about that. The Holy Spirit's living in him. He says, can you get a word for me? I said, well, if God tells me something, I'll tell you. But if he doesn't tell me anything, I'm not going to tell you, okay? So the next morning, I was praying, and I just it just happened to come to me. I said, well, God, do you have a word for him? He said, yes, tell him I want to talk to him personally. <laughs> That's the word I have for him. He's been going to all these prophets trying to get a word. You tell him I want to talk to him. First thing tomorrow morning, be in my office. That's what you tell me. <laughs> he has a will, and if you want to know his will, all you have to do is ask and get to know him. See, it's, the reason it's so important for you to get to know him as a person is because if he's not a person to you, you'll never talk to him. And you'll never hear him. You'll never have a relationship with him. Here's the second thing about the Holy Spirit. He has a mind. He has a mind. Now, are you in Ephesians 4? Okay, we're not there yet. John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Now, let me ask you something. How can he guide us into all truth if he doesn't know all truth? He does know all truth. And how can he guide us into all truth if he doesn't have a mind? God has a mind. We understand knowing the mind of God, the mind of Christ, and the mind of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit expresses the mind of God. So do you realize that the Holy Spirit was around at the creation of the world, and the Holy Spirit expressed his intellect in the creation of the world? When we think about all the flowers and all the birds and all the animals and all the intricate details of creation, it came from the mind of God. That's how how wonderful his mind is. Now, since the Holy Spirit has intelligence, I wonder what his IQ is. Now, hold on just a minute. Albert Einstein's IQ was 209. It's just just a a few points above mine. (laughs) About 100, probably. Um, But... I wonder what the Holy Spirit's IQ is. Let me just tell you what his IQ is. The Holy Spirit doesn't have an IQ. He has intelligence. 
but he doesn't have an intelligence quotient. You know why? Because a quotient is a formula to measure. Now listen to me carefully. He, he doesn't have an IQ. You know why? Because you can't measure his intelligence. It's immeasurable. It's infinite. The Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know about everything. Now here's the great news. You have someone living in you <laughs> that knows everything about everything and he has committed to be your teacher. That's good news. <laughs> he knows everything God knows because he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. So everything that God knows, he knows. He's God. Now think about this. If you ever want to know something, ask the one who knows everything that lives inside of you. He's living inside of you, and he's committing himself to be your teacher. The only thing is he's waiting for you to be the student, to ask him. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit what he thought about something? You know, you, a, a job offer or a relationship with someone, have you ever said, what do you think about this? The one who knows everything. I remember one time I was trying to figure something out. For three hours I tried to figure it out. It was a difficult thing, and I thought, I'm not giving up until I figure this out. Three hours I'm trying to figure it out, and I don't have a clue after three hours. And the Holy Spirit just comes to me like this and says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to figure this out with no help from you, I might add. He said, well, do you think I know the answer? Yes, I think you know the answer. He said, well, why don't you ask him? Don't you say I said, okay, what's the answer? Is there like that? You believe he can do that? He can do it. He knows everything about everything. And he's just waiting for us to ask. The Holy Spirit is a genius. He's a genius. And here's the good news. He lives in you. There's no problem that you ever face that he doesn't have the answer to. And he, but the, the, the problem is, we go to everybody first. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And never ask God what he thinks about it. You see, the reason that the enemy has concocted theological systems that explain away the personhood of the Holy Spirit is because the enemy does not want you to have a relationship with him. And you don't have a relationship with things, you have relationships with persons. Uh, we have evangelical denominations that deny the work of the Holy Spirit and deny the personhood of the Holy Spirit and relegate his work to the first century. He doesn't work anymore. He's just a force. He's just a power that we feel. And we have cult denominations that actually deny his existence even. Take him from a personhood to a, to a, um, a thing, a power. Jehovah's Witnesses do that, by the way, if you don't know that. They say he's just a power. Let me tell you something. He is not a power that you use. He is a person that you know. And, and let me tell you something else. He's a divine person. And when you understand he's a divine person, you don't use him. He uses you. It's a pretty big difference. He's God. Our desire is to get to know the mind of God. 
to get to know the will of God. And here's the third thing. He has emotions. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Uh, are you in Ephesians 4? Okay, we're not there yet. Um, one more scripture and then we'll be there. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Most people know these scriptures. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, I just want you to look at this for a minute. The fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you what you're looking at. You're looking at the characteristics of a person. Think about it. A person exhibits love, kindness, self-control. A tree doesn't exhibit self-control. An object doesn't exhibit self-control. You're, you're describing, this is describing a person. It says, let me tell you the, this is what Galatians says. Let me tell you the personality of the Holy Spirit. This is his personality. By the way, he wants it to become your personality. Love, joy, peace, goodness, self-control, kindness. You know, I, I memorized this years ago in the old King James, and so I'm thinking, trying to remember these words of the new King James. In the old King James, love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control. You know, it goes through that way. But anyway, this is, these, these are the qualities of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice the second one. The second one is what? Well, joy, how can, how can he have joy if he doesn't have emotions? <laughs> you mean the Holy Spirit can have joy? Yeah. Ephesians 4, now you there? Ephesians 4, verse 30. says, and do not grieve. Do not make the Holy Spirit sad by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, just in these last few verses, we've seen that he has joy and he has grief. That's a person. A person can grieve. A person can be sad. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, though, what grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, in order to answer that question, I want you to think about something. This book reveals his person, his character to us. We understand that. Anytime, I want to teach you something. Anytime you read a verse and you think to yourself, I wonder what that means. Let me tell you the first thing you need to do. The first thing you do is you ask God to give you revelation. The second thing you do is you read the context. Now listen to me. This is so important. Because if you don't read the context, you're not going to understand it fully. This says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But when we read the context, let me just show you the context, all right? Back up to verse 25. Watch verse 25. Verse 25 says, therefore, putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Now, we're going to keep going, but let me just explain this to you. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And all of these verses have to do with relationship with each other. And what he's trying to say is, listen, in your relationships with people, you're going to have times that come up when you get angry or when you get hurt. But even if you get angry, don't sin. In other words, even if something upsets you, don't go on and sin, because sin will grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, just, just watch these verses carefully, all right? Watch this. Therefore, putting away lying. Okay, listen to me. Lying grieves the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Not speaking truth with your neighbor grieves the Holy Spirit. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. Stealing grieves the Holy Spirit. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. By the, not working grieves the Holy Spirit. And that's something. That he may have something to give to him who has the need. Not giving grieves the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt communication grieves the Holy Spirit. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Not edifying people and imparting grace to the hearers grieves the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Watch this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all mouth. See, this is real simple. Bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. Wrath grieves the Holy Spirit. Anger grieves the Holy Spirit. Clamor, evil speaking, malice grieves the Holy Spirit. And be kind to one another. Not being kind to one another grieves the Holy Spirit. Tender hearted, not being tender hearted grieves the Holy Spirit. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. And why does sin grieve the Holy Spirit? The reason sin grieves the Holy Spirit is because sin hurts people and the Holy Spirit loves people. That's what you have to understand. The reason that sin grieves the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit loves you and sin will hurt you and sin will destroy you. That's why why sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit because he's a prude and he doesn't want you to have any fun. The reason sin grieves him is because he loves you and sin will destroy you. In the same way, if someone is going down the wrong road and they're destroying their life, you are grieved because of the in, because of the outcome, because of the results that they're going to have to go through. That's what grieves you. What grieves the Holy Spirit when we go into sin is he knows we are destroying our lives. And we're going to go through a lot of heartache because of it. And that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. When we don't listen to him, when he's trying to communicate with him, when he's trying to talk to us and say, don't go that way, that's not the right way to go. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is grieved by sin. He's not comfortable with sin, and he will not work through an atmosphere of sin. If you are, in, if you're going to continue in sin, you're not going to hear the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to work through you. You need to know that. If you're going to set your face and say, this sin, I'm not giving up, and I'm going to continue in it, you're going to grieve him, and he is not going to work through you. And let me just tell you, he never comes to condemn. Sin was condemned in Christ. When we sin, the Holy Spirit never shows up to condemn us. He always shows up to convict us so that we'll change. But he doesn't show up to condemn you. If you ever hear a condemning voice, it's not God. Isn't that good news? The enemy. Most of you probably know this, but the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction is specific, condemnation is general. The Holy Spirit comes and says, you did this, and you know this is wrong, and he's very specific. Condemnation is, you're a bad person. You'll never get right. You always do this. You continue to fail. You're, 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 you're worse than anyone in the church. That's the enemy, not the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two sins, and then we're finished. Two sins that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to zero in on today that are particularly grievous to the Holy Spirit. And let me just give you a little background before I show you the Scripture. Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. They accepted the Lord, 
And then they sent Peter and John down to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They'd been saved, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. That's what exactly what Acts chapter 8 says. They believed, they were baptized, then they sent down Peter and John to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. When they got down there, they began praying for people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And a magician named Simon saw the power of the Holy Spirit. And he offered to buy the power with money. Notice he had already relegated the Holy Spirit to a power, not a person. And Peter just turns around and just rebukes him big time. This is not right. You better get down on your knees right now. You better pray ask God to forgive you. You're thinking like the devil. And, I mean, he just rebukes him big time for this. And then he says this to him, Acts 8, verse 23. He said, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now, listen carefully to me. These are two sins that are particularly grievous to the Holy Spirit. Bitterness and iniquity. Bitterness and iniquity. And let me explain to you. Just about every person that walks away from God, that walks away from the church, has bitterness. And the problem is that we as believers, we've come to know the language now, and we say things like, oh, no, 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 I've forgiven them. Uh, I'm just still hurt. But no, I've forgiven him. No, 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 I've forgiven him. I just don't want to ever see him again. And listen, you know what the Bible says? See, it says, we just read in Ephesians 4, and you can read it again later. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, put away all bitterness. I mean, it's right there, put away all bitterness. And this is what it says, forgive as God in Christ forgave you. Are we not commanded to forgive the way God forgave us? Is that right? Forgive the way God forgave you. Okay, and listen to this statement. Well, I forgive them. I just don't want to ever see them again. Okay, now, is that the way God forgave you? <laughs> Did God say, and hey, listen, I forgive you. I just don't want to ever see you again. <laughs> I don't want to be around you, but I forgive you. Listen carefully to me. Many of you have issues of unforgiveness. And if you want to, why, want to know why the Holy Spirit doesn't speak through you and to you and use you, he will not with bitterness. Bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment stops the flow of the Holy Spirit. I've seen Satan's attempt in my own life in this area. You know why? Because Satan knows he can stop the work of the Holy Spirit if he can get me in bitterness. So all he's got to do is get me not to release one person. That's all he's got to do. Just get me not to release one person. See, that's what forgiveness is. It's release. Just don't release one person. You know, if you forgive them, they might not get what's coming to them. I'm telling you, don't listen to the enemy because he stopped the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The word here for poison is the word gall. G-A-L-L is translated, and obviously there's a Greek word there, but it's the same word that's used when Jesus was on the cross when they tried to give him gall to drink. It, it basically, it's, it's um, bitter wine. It's like vinegar. But the reason they gave it to him was because it deadened the senses. Now, Jesus didn't take it, by the way, because he felt everything on the cross and didn't want to deaden his senses. But listen to me carefully. It's the same word that's used to describe bitterness. Bitterness deadens you. Bitterness deadens your senses. Not only toward people, it deadens your senses toward God. And it deadens your senses toward the Holy Spirit. That's bitterness. And the second thing he talked about was iniquity. He said you're in the bondage of iniquity. And let me explain the difference to you. Iniquity is different than sin. 
Sin is an act. Sin is an event. Iniquity is a lifestyle. Iniquity is a habit. Iniquity is a bent toward or a desire for. Listen, if you sin, you need confession and forgiveness. If you have iniquity, you need brokenness and deliverance. That's what's different. In other words, iniquity is what we would call many times the besetting sin. It's that thing we do over and over and over again that we keep saying to God, you know, I'll never do it again, never do it again, but we continue to do it. But here's the problem. We get to the place that we get deadened in that area and we begin to stiff-arm the Holy Spirit. And we get to the place that we don't even ask forgiveness for it anymore because we've done it so many times we don't don't want to go back to God. In essence, we begin to accept it into our lives. And that is iniquity. That is a bondage of iniquity. And listen to me. If you have a bondage of iniquity, the Holy Spirit will not work through you. And the reason you say, well, i got problems, you say, no, listen, I'm not saying that we, we have to be perfect. I'm saying that we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When you come to the place that you stop cooperating with the Holy Spirit, He's not going to work through you anymore. Now, I want to share with you how the Holy Spirit set me free in an area of my life. And it's a very personal area, but I don't know, I don't know how to not be transparent. People come up to me all the time and say, you know, you're so open. I don't know any other way. Alright? So I'm gonna, this is very personal what I'm gonna tell you, but I believe it's gonna help you. Before I met the Lord, I was very immoral. Um, Debbie and I got married, and then I got saved after we were married. And I still had, even though I got saved and was totally in love with her, I had these thoughts bombarding me constantly. But I was cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I was saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. And I kept cooperating, trying to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this area. Um, right after I got saved, the Holy Spirit came to me. About six months after I got saved was my birthday. And the Holy Spirit said to me, what would you like for your birthday? I just prayed one day. He said, what would you like for your birthday? So I said, well, uh, you know, a Corvette and uh, some golf clubs. And, you know, I, you know, and he said, no, I'm talking about for me. You know, what, what, what do you want? And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, if you'll ask me for something spiritual in your life, I'll give it to you. And every year since I've come to know the Lord now, I think uh, 21 years, I've asked the Lord for a birthday present every year. And you can do the same thing. Say, I wish I could do that. Well, do it. <laughs> Just ask him, you know. So uh when I was turning 30 years old, I said, Lord, this year, what I want is to hear you. I want to be able to hear you so clearly, God. I, I just I, That's the desire of my heart. I want to be able to hear you. Now, you realize that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads me to ask every year. <laughs> He's the one that kind of puts a desire in my heart. So I said, I, I want to hear you, Lord. That's what, that's my, that's my, that's what I want for my 30th birthday. Well, my birthday was on a Monday, and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was ministering in a church prophetically, ministering in a presbytery meeting, like we just had, uh, a while back. And on Friday night, this was before the Monday, I was hearing God. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I was thinking, this is it. My, he's already given me my birthday present. It's wonderful. And I mean, I, I've just, uh, the Lord, I'd look at someone and I'd know, you know, this happened to you when you were 14 by a man named Bill. I mean, it was just powerful what God, I was just, it was like it was just open. I could have prophesied over everybody there. You know, I, I was telling them, this was when you were 16, this happened when you were 22, that, you know, your underwear size 32. You know, I just, <laughs> I was just hearing God. I leave the service that night, go to the hotel, 
flipping through the channels, and there was something on the TV that I shouldn't have watched. And I knew I shouldn't have watched it. And the Holy Spirit says, don't, don't. But I did. The next night, Saturday night, I couldn't hear anything. I mean, I'm there ministering. I'm telling you, this is, I'm sharing a very personal illustration with you. I'm there ministering. I can't hear. I couldn't hear God. You say, well, did you confess it? Listen to me. Listen. That's not the issue. I, see, I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. What we're talking about is grieving the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. I had grieved him. I, you know, in other words, I said, I want you to use me. I want you to speak through me. And then he speaks through me. Then he speaks to me. And I say, no, I don't want to hear that. No, I don't want to hear that. And this is what he does. Okay. Okay. And he just walks away. Then the next night I'm saying, where are you? He's not there. I've grieved him. So the next morning, on Sunday morning, we're supposed to minister to people prophetically. And we're with this old minister who's a, a good friend of mine, kind of mentored me in the prophetic. He said, I, I'm supposed to preach this morning. I, he said, boy, I'm telling you, God spoke to me so strongly. He said, I'm supposed to preach. We're not supposed to minister prophetically. Well, I thought, well, that's fine with me because I, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't hear God anyway, you know. So he got up and he said, I'm going to preach on the besetting sin in our lives that has turned into iniquity. And, of course, I knew he was talking right to me. And he said, when you have a sin in your life that you continue to stiff-arm the Holy Spirit in, you grieve him and he's not going to work through you. And, boy, I mean, it was right to me. And he said, today's your day. I'll never forget this. Today's your day. The reason I'm telling you this is because the Holy Spirit said to me this week, that today is your day. He said, today is your day to get free. He said, if you'll humble yourself in a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and you're going to have to get up and come down here at the altar. And if you'll humble yourself, God will set you free. And I remember thinking, you know, because I was one of the ministers there. And he said, you got to come down here. And I was thinking, is there any other way? <laughs> because I'm one of the ministers. I can't, I can't, you know. And then I thought, and then I had this thought. I thought, you know, they probably won't think, you know, that it's, you know, lust. You know, they'll, they'll probably think that I don't read my Bible enough or, you know, I don't pray enough, you know. So I'll go with that because they won't, you know. And by that time, this pastor preaching said, now I'm not talking about not reading your Bible enough. <laughs> I'm not praying enough. He said, I'm talking about you've got a dirty, secret sin in your life. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said to me, you still going to go? And I said, yeah, I'm going because I'm sick of it. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. But I care what you think. And I'm tired of grieving you. And for the first time in my life, my heart was broken over the way I had treated the Holy Spirit. And I went and the Holy Spirit set me free. Monday morning, remember, was my birthday. And when I woke up Monday morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, Happy birthday. 
And what I realized was I'd asked him to be able to hear him, but there was a reason that I wasn't hearing him. And in his kindness, he dealt with it so that I could.